Welcome to this bureaucratic episode of the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. Put on your suit, wrap your briefcase, close the office door, and let's get this meeting started. Welcome to the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. And we are live once more, once again, on this beautiful evening, or Evening for me, at least, on the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. I have my good friend, Tribal Elder, and uh, co-host, Josh, here. And we will be talking with Mr. Barry Lynn, um, someone who I never thought I would would have on the podcast. I I usually try to to stay away from the the whole political spiel, but um, with... Mr. Lin, his work being so relevant uh, to, you know, to our cause and to the cause of many, many pagans and for many pagans. Um, I absolutely, uh, absolutely honored to have him on the show. Um, Myself Mr. also. I've, I've, I've written to the AU multiple times. I, I am honored to be sitting before you today. Thank you. Yeah, if if anything, uh, Josh is the the most excited of us. Like as soon as he heard that I uh, that I have you on the show, he was like, "Oh, dude, dude, I'm I'm gonna get prepped like right away. I don't care that it's next week. I'm prepping." So, Mister Lynn, or can I can I call you Barry? Absolutely. Thank you. I try to stay informal, of course. Um, tell the the good people a little about about your work what you what you do what you're fighting for exactly yeah i spent most of my life aggressive political circles i am both an ordained minister in the united church of christ one of america's most religious denomination and also a member of the sport bar so being a lawyer and a minister um it gives me the opportunity to you know, forgive you one day and sue you the next morning <laughs> but we try not to do too much of that but but i i I spent my first uh, third of my career working for the church, working for the right of people to resist the war in Vietnam, eventually getting President Carter to do a kind of partial amnesty for war reasons for veterans who had, uh, shall we say, fallen out of favor. And then I worked for the American Civil Liberties Union for a long time, worked primarily on free speech issues, and there became my first uh, kind of brush with the pagan community. And then when I, in the last 25 years of my career, I spent at Americans United for Separation of Church and State, where we were very happy and very aggressive sense of pagan rights in every court uh, in the United States. So I said uh, on a podcast not too long ago, ago when I was uh, interviewing a, a very prominent uh, woman from the pagan community, uh, I said, you know, my two favorite audiences to talk to were pagans and librarians. And I wondered <laughs> if there was some kind of a small subset of pagan librarians that I, I just like to come yeah. to them too. But, it's a, um, um, it's, uh, it's a I'm relevant sure nature. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there uh, are every every good pagan has uh, has of course their own library has their own ri- library has read the uh, the Eddas the Havamal sure. all the beautiful stories that are 
ancestry or ancestors have to to offer you know uh, I, I, without getting too diverted here but uh, i have two granddaughters they're almost six years old and it's very difficult but I, i've gone to selena fox and to other people in the pagan community and say what books can i get for them to depict witches in a favorable light and there are a few but by you go to most of these it's uh it's like which is I was afraid of as a child. Well, it's, yeah. if you look at that, they've, they've made this, there is a, a, how would you say, a parody of this in The Wizard of Oz. You look at how they treat the witches in The Wizard of Oz. The Witch of the West was ugly and bastardized and not attractive and evil. But the Northern Witch, Glenda, she was gorgeous and she got along with all the natives and sure. she had little tribes of people that, that did everything for her that she helped them and I, and you it's it's a parallel i mean it's an absolute <laughs> parallel to the way we look at paganism today absolutely and ironically just a few days ago i showed these same granddaughter the wizard of oz first time they had never seen it they had never actually sat through a full movie they watched pieces of movies on television but i have a like i'm a movie room and it's all set up differently and uh, so over the next couple of days we're going to talk about that very phenomenon that they saw and clearly understood from their first eyes yeah and it goes deeper than that too with the whole follow the yellow brick road in other words follow <laughs> the gold bars follow yeah. the money of and course. You'll, you'll find where you know the emerald just, city is the, the jaded city washington yeah. dc then they peek behind the curtain and see that the whole power structure is just a lie. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, uh, really funny. Plenty, to, plenty to talk about. And we're taking them to Washington, where I, I live. I live in the last uh, six months, but uh, which has its own sordid history, shall we say, in dealing oh, yeah. with paganism. But uh, we're going to go there and we're going to talk a little bit about power. Mr. Mayor, I hope to give you some ammunition today to take there with you. Perfect. I'd love to I, um, have it. Now see, I, I find a flaw in, in two things. First, everybody's approach to the RFRA and their attack on it, right? And their defense of it, should I say. Yeah. Um, everybody goes specifically for one right. And I'm sorry, as a as a pagan, I have this really deep belief, and it's it's in the Havamal in verse or in uh, excuse me, it's in the Havamal in stanzas 36, 37. Our rights to self-sustain are addressed clearly there, right? Yep. And yes. that's a blanket. That, that for me, that's a blanket term. The right to self-sustain means everything from I have the right to collect my own solar and wind energy and save it for later. And they don't have the right to tell me that I don't. And in the same essence, I, I use cannabis as not only a medicine, but for almost 30 years now, I have also used it esoterically, if you will. I have used it in meditation and several other things. Now, what I do on my land and how I self-sustain on my land is my religious right given by the Havamal, and they don't have the right to tell me otherwise. Yeah, I had a lot to do with passing the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, which RFRA. And uh, here's the problem. I mean, I looking back, I think it was literally the dumbest thing I ever did because it was never intended. It was built on a bad Supreme Court decision, but it wasn't even clear that it corrected it. The idea, it was built on a decision, two Native American drug counselors to use peyote as Native American members of the Native American church. And the, the court basically said, well, you know, if you don't get to opt in and out of the drug laws, that would be anarchy if everybody had to do that. And so 
literally the next day, Senator Edward Kennedy, who was one of the most liberal members of the Senate at the time, and uh, Utah's Senator Orrin Hatch, got together to meet a couple of activists, say, how can we fix this problem? The problem was it took them two years to fix it. And by the time the fix was in, nobody was even sure that even if the Religious Freedom Restoration Act had been in place, that those drug counselors would have prevailed because the right-wingers who all joined in in support of this obviously didn't like drug users, didn't see any kind of sacramental effect drugs. And as a consequence, they, they've been using it as a kind of weapon ever since yeah, this day of passage. And I think there's a... The, the one big problem, too, and it is the intentional vagueness of the legal definition of religion, because every court that challenges it will use a different definition based upon their need of it. And I think that is absolutely absurd, especially when they God into it, because for many people that, that may even be religious and have a God aspect to their religion. God is not all of their religion. Their religion is what they spend most of their day or time practicing, doing, thinking about, et cetera, et cetera, right? What they have spent most of their ceremony, their daily ritual doing their whole life, that is their religion, right? What God they worship is a completely different aspect, right? And yes, they, they, have, they have misconstrued those two things in such a hard way that they have basically used the vagueness of the definition of religion, because you can look it up in any dictionary and you'll find multiple definitions. Some of them deal with God, some of them do not. But the church yeah. will pick and choose which application they want. You, you actually sent me a, um, a screenshot of the Oxford Learns Dictionary about that. Yes. I, uh, I would love to uh, pull it The biggest problem with the federal moments. courts, state courts worse arguably, um, is that they don't have a very serious understanding of religion or spirituality. Yeah, they talk sweet. a good line. It says like uh, our former president, Donald Trump, who uh, claimed to be a Christian and claimed to be deeply religious. And certainly it was very difficult uh, to figure out what religion he actually was uh, in favor of or which religion he was practicing. There was an attempt during a controversy in Philadelphia uh, to have a, the courts define religion and exclude people. that back up, Stein, because it's totally relevant. The definition yeah, sure. of religion by Oxford yeah. while he's talking about it, please. Sure. Yeah, I will. And uh, there was a, a movement in uh, Philadelphia uh, called the Joseph Africa Movement. And Joseph Africa was a very prominent leader of the African-American community. And uh, he was very controversial in that, among other things, they, they had a certain belief system. For example, they did not they, they threw all their garbage to the front yards of the apartment buildings that they controlled. And this drove the mayor of Philadelphia, Wilson Good, completely crazy. So he, he tried to stop them. He literally, uh, there is a documentary film about this. He literally bombed and destroyed two and a half blocks of Philadelphia when he oh, decided wow. to evict Joseph Africa movement. And um, ironically, I mean, many, many years after that, I was on a a panel that used to meet every couple of months and and wilson good was there like he was like a, like a prominent african-american pastor but he was i could only think of him as a a guy dumb enough literally burn up an entire 
few of his city blocks. But the, when, as this was going through the court, they were trying to define what is it, what isn't it. So although you're right, they tend to pick and choose the definitions. When they try to come up with their own definition, they don't do a hell of a Well, I, the case U.S. v. Ballard, right? I mean, it's a yeah. 1944 case, but it is the president still applies today, right? Yep. They tried to tell some faith healers that they were selling false hope, Yep. right? So they couldn't collect money in their, their offerings, and they That's couldn't right. basically, they couldn't lay hands on people and heal them because it couldn't medically be proven. I'm sorry, that is the most absurd application and attack on a religion. And that was even Christianity. They even attacked, you know, branches of their own, which, I mean, you look at the application now with the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster and the things that they have approved for them. <laughs> sure. Okay. These people are allowed to wear metal spaghetti colanders on their head and church, school, work, and other places, yet they regulate what I do at home in my own yard without bothering others. Yeah. Well, may I say that I would be happy if we defended both. In other words, that the oh, definition, the definition, because the flying spaghetti monster, uh, the church of the temple, the satanic temple, which is again here in the United States, uh, but they have very impressive points to be made by the creation of those religions, which they admit they created, but they created it in order for it to be kind of a, a, a guidestone, a guidestone, and an observation of what is wrong with fundamentalism. And, and I can agree, and they have every right to, and I, I may disagree, and Stein and I have made this clear, like, we get called Satanist. It, people hear pagan, and the first thing they assume is Satan worshiper or Satanist or Luciferian. And I mean, or witchcraft. And, you know, I'm not opposed to either, right? Especially the witchcraft. I, I know a lot of Wiccans. I know other witches of different type, Celtic witches, sure. Druids. And they're all very peaceful people. They're all very community based. None of them want to disturb the peace or, you know, spread harm in any way. They are all very morally justified and good people, but their their entire belief system's bastardized. You no, know? because when people hear pagan, they get that satanic panic twinge up their spine. You know, and that's that's the that's the picture that's been painted for so many people. Yeah, in uh, 1985 was when I first became really familiar with the extent of Wiccanism, Wiccans and pagans in the United States. And it was in 1985 I got a call from uh, one of the uh, staff members, a pretty prominent, uh, uh, and they used to exist, progressive Republicans. And she said, uh, Barry, I wanted to talk to you about something because uh, I think my boss made a mistake. I said, well, what was it? He just sat there while Senator Jesse Helm of North Carolina, certainly one of the preeminent bigots in, in the modern history of the Senate, uh, had passed and um, put a rider onto a bill they were considering that said that the uh, tax exempt should not be given to or uh, maintained for groups that believed in the spirits. Now, presumably he was talking about the bad spirits, and we know exactly why he did this. He wanted to restrict tax exemptions because he had seen on ABC a special about Satanism. He had no idea, nor did he ever think it necessary to examine issues, that everybody was a Wiccan, pagan, was obviously a devil worshiper. And I said to this woman, yes, your boss made a very big mistake. He should have objected to this. And that was when there was a hurricane approaching Washington, D.C. I couldn't get to work the next morning. When I got there, 
in the middle of the afternoon, I saw what no longer exists, pink message slips while you were out. And the receptionist said, you've got like a hundred of these. I looked at them. I said, I don't know who any of these people are. So I started to call them and they were all Wiccan and they all were ticked off. I, I would assume, yeah. I mean, yeah. I said, we got to do something. How, what can we do? And I said, what you we can get you on so many radio and television programs. We can make Jesse Helms look like a total idiot. And then when it comes to a vote in the House, you will prevail. I guarantee it. And I worked for mo about a month with pagans all over the United States, Wiccans all over the United States. And uh, sure enough, the day before Halloween that year, uh, the House met a committee of the House that does the tax stuff. And they, they literally talked about this. They did laugh. They took it out of the bill. And this provided a very interesting opportunity for the network news the next night, being Halloween, to do a story about this incredible misadventure on the part of people to regulate what we leave and what they get tax exemptions for. Now, Stein, I have a, uh, the, the very last thing I sent you, the, the, it, it, the writing on a piece of paper, it says we have the right yeah. to self-sustain upon our own land, period. Will you pop that up real quick? Yes. I mean, in, in my opinion, that is a basic representation of what the people in our tribe believe. And we are from a vast array of different backgrounds. I mean, we have Vedic members, we have Hmong members, we have members of our tribe that have completely undefined religions, but we have a common set of community beliefs and goals. And I, I believe that this pretty much- That's this one. Yes, I, I believe that this pretty much sums it up just right into the first three of them. Yeah, we have the right to self-sustain up on our land, periods, which should be a, well, God or God's given right. I mean, it, 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 it is clearly stated, verse 36 and 37, that every man has the right to self-sustain upon his own land, be it by a meager hut and a scrawny goat. It is his and it is his to self-sustain on. Yes. Um, point two, we harm no living thing for sport. Always been very much against that. Um, hunting is for, again, self-sustainability. Uh, all plants and animals are harvested humanely and uh, the gods are thanked for it as they should. Uh, we only harm others in self-defense or defense of uh, of one's property, family, or community. Period. Yeah, you know, don't, don't hit first, just make sure to hit back. We remain neutral until we cannot remain neutral. Yep. Ex exactly. Um, up to the third one, you said? Yes, sir. And number three, which is another very good one, another very important one. We, we respect the rights and beliefs of all other people and their property, family, and community, which to me should be considered common sense. We respect, we respect each other. You respect me. I respect you. If and I, I mean no disrespect to the Christians by this in any fashion, but you can boil the entirety of the Ten Commandments down to one rule that's don't be an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally every one of them is just another definition of somebody being an asshole. Pardon my French. I, I you know. It's, no, hey, it's, look. Uh, it's, it's true. I, I've, I've been known to say that. Um, no, it's absolutely right. You're absolutely right. When you think about if you got together, uh, oh, just say 10 people at random and said, 
Look, come up with 10 good ideas about how to live in harmony with other people. They, with the possible exception of the Sabbath and maybe an allusion to God, you, you'd, you'd come up with something remarkably like the 10 or yeah. the nine noble virtues. The nine noble virtues, or all of it being boiled down into, to use a slightly more polite. A golden rule. A golden treat your treat others like you would expect variation. What could go wrong with that? And the answer is nothing. But we don't. You know, this country, this country, uh, has a big problem. One of its many problems is that it doesn't pay attention to its lead. It lives one way and it articulates position another way. It is a hypocrisy. Plenty. You know, there's plenty of. Plenty of references in the Christian Bible uh, to being a good person, treating people respectfully. There's nothing in the Christian Bible about abortion. There's nothing about gay marriage. There's nothing about any of that except in uh, kind of Roman relationships. There's reference to it in the Old Testament. There are, but, you know, the... when, uh, you know, I was on a show last week with a guy who's actually uh, a, a very well-known show host. I said to him, do not try to argue the Bible with people who are politically conservative users of the Bible. Because every time you quote something, they will come back and say, well, uh, yes, but. And then they'll have a proof text of their and. That is not the way to make policy. It not, should not be made on the basis of uh, anybody's reading of their own scriptural preference. Yes, and I mean, it's it's blatant in the First and Fourteenth Amendment that we have the right to practice and apply our religions. And yeah. every law that has been passed in the last couple decades has been up based upon greed around religion. And now I can honestly say, I completely see a, a a trend of bad challenges to it, though. And I mean, the uh, Aklevuha Native American Church of Hawaii versus Lynch. Yeah, there was a bad and a good application in there. And I honestly think that they violated the RFA in it, the RFRA in it. And the what you say they satisfied the state law, but violated the RFRA. And I believe the whole flaw of it was in the chief's challenge on how he did it. He he got it through the mail. I mean, that was the most right. asinine delivery you possibly yeah. could have pulled into a, a court case. You know, if you if you had the same thing that you grew on your own land for personal use and then challenged the same case in a courtroom, yeah, he probably would have won it. I think he would have won it. And in fact, Ballard, to go back to the case you mentioned earlier about Faith Heal, they they got in trouble for the same reason. They used the U.S. mail to send material. They simply gone out on the street and handed them out. out, passed out brochures, said, come to do this. That would not have solved as easily yes. in the same direction, the negative. They, I mean, I think they ultimately kind of won in the end anyways, but... I mean, since then, look at the cases we've had in the recent history from Hobby Lobby forward. I mean, it's it's kind of it's getting more ridiculous, you know, and and it's not people challenging it for the right reasons. And I can't say the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster is not the right reason. They had every right to challenge and I'm glad they won. Okay, but they can look at something like that and grant it yet cannot grant Wiccans the right to grow kudzu or cannabis in their yards to make tonics out of. I I don't understand that. I I can't. can't. 
But remember what I said about the religious freedom restoration. It was a dopey thing. I wish I'd never, because it was built on not only the premise of uh, the two drug counselors in the state of Oregon, but it was also based on the fact that uh, there were Muslim firefighters who were uh, being told not to grow a beard. There were people in prisons. Listen to this justification for no beards in prisons. You could hide weapons there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a, I mean, mighty, that's a so, mighty beard. So many AK-47s will fit in a guy's beard. But these were the arguments made. And I think by the time uh, these got to court because of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, even without it, the, the court at that time, because it was not nearly as horrible as it is now, this court, uh, they would have said, yeah, let them wear. But, but you're right. You bring up Hobby Lobby. I want people to understand this. This was possibly the single most damaged state to decision in my lifetime. This is one where Hobby Lobby, which is a, uh, a very large chain of hobby, you know, they, you can make your own goes there and all that stuff. And they claimed a religious object providing their employees with any contraceptive except ones that didn't work. They well, got to the Supreme Court. Uh, one of the justices said, well, now where in the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is, uh, do we find that it can be used for this purpose? That a company, a for-profit company, yes. has a right to say to its employees, oh, we're not giving you this right. We're not giving you this benefit because of our religious beliefs. Which is something that Chick-fil-A yeah. still does to this day, but. Yeah, they, I still don't go to Chick-fil-A, although <laughs> they've moderated their anti-gay policies slightly. But but Hobby Lobby, no one could find in Hobby a single reference the entire two years plus of debate over what the Religious Freedom Restoration Act meant, that it ever was to be applied to a, to a corporation. To a pro, corporation and even if you believe corporations are people which our laws do and sometimes that's a good thing usually not but you simply can't find anything no one could even cite a reference because there aren't any reference if ted kennedy when he was meeting with orrin hatch that very first day after the decision that led to the religious freedom restoration if somebody had said to him oh yes and uh, senator by the way we fully expect this to be used to um block the use of certain contraceptive to gone ballistic there never would have been a law there never would have been all these people right and left joined together singing kumbaya and passing this utterly meaningless now a weaponized weaponized statute to hurt and, and that's the, right the first the thing that's the first thing our government does with anything that comes across their desk is how can we weaponize this against the people and and i you know it's become a trend that I, I find to see more sad and more sad and more sad by the day, especially considering things like what happened to Kodak Black and now what's happening with Hunter Biden, you know, or what happened to Wesley Snipes in the same case and what's happening with Hunter Biden. It, it's absolutely absurd that, you know, 99% of the people that have a, a lie and try case come across their desk wind up getting three years or better. And this dude doesn't even get seen on it. You know, you can't say that that's fair and equal treatment. You know, this is not a this is a 14th Amendment violation on everybody that's ever been charged with that in the past. You know, yeah, they just set up a, 
I mean, the good news and the bad news is you can't argue. I, I, I talk a lot about other places. And Donald Trump now says, well, but they didn't go after Hillary and they didn't go after. You cannot go into a court in the United States and say, uh, I know I was going 90 miles an hour in the 60 zone, but I, I'm pretty sure I saw somebody going five miles faster than I am in the next lane. That is a not category. <laughs> No, but, but comparative right. precedent. Yeah, I mean, but but you're right about this. This is not a country that treats people fairly. You go into the prison, Washington, D.C., where I, I used to live, and I lived there for 25 years. You, you go there, you look in the prisons. There aren't a lot of white people in the prison. There aren't a lot of white people. Because if you smoke dope um, illegally, now you can legally in Washington, um, and you're a black person, you you go to jail. If you're the congressman's son, you, you get a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, Prince versus mass, dude, they, they yeah. actually forced kids to vaccinate against their religion. I, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about every application of the religious freedoms. I, I can't find very many positive ones, should I say. I can't find very many that came out with a with a positive impact on any functional religion or belief well there there were a few there's a separate statute about uh land use or native america and there there have been some good decisions about that and there those cases of the prisoners of the firefighters wanting to wear a beard um those are highlights believe me they are few now, and far but few now, and far between the native americans right now i i've looked into establishing because i mean by all function we are a tribe right we don't yep. live in the same exact place but i mean right. functionally we are a tribe in every aspect yeah. um I've, I've looked into having our tribe legitimized just you know as, as a recognized tribe of people yeah. everything is run through the native american tribal council yes there there is no way around it not in this country so if you are not native american and you want to form some type of religious tribe or tribe based on community beliefs even. Yeah. I mean, it's just not possible. Wait a minute. Let me, I think you can find a way. To, um, do you know that you can form a religious organization under the tax laws? If it is religious, whatever that means, whatever it means, without filing anything but a letter that says you then you get the full tax. People find that hard to believe. But whether, I don't think, although I don't know this for sure, that the Native American Tribal Councils or has some kind of a trademark uh, right on the word tribe. tribal. See, I don't think it does. No, but, but in, I would at look least into in, that. in my experience, I, um, you know, as, as, a, as a tribe, as the Greater Pagans, we try to um, take back a lot of our uh, our symbols, a lot of our you know of the of the terms that uh, you know we're somehow for some stupid reason not allowed to use anymore. And um, like I'm I'm Dutch myself, always uh, always lived in the Netherlands, but have been you know fortunate enough to, um, to travel a lot from you know a a young age. So sure. I am worldly. And from what I know, that uh, the whole of well, at least Northern Europe, and let's let's in include France in that as well. Um, before it was a, a unified country, before you know Germany was Germany, before France was France, as you know a like one people, it was like just different 
tribes, different Germanic tribes, right. different Frankish or Gaul tribes. But every time I mention that, every time I speak of tribes, what everyone envisions are the native tribe. Right. You know, totally forgetting that here in Europe, we have our tribes. We had our tribes. Like Europe was once upon a time completely tribal. Eventually, the- ten thousand years plus. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, in the last 300 years, that term has monopolized. No, you got to recapture those. The, the messages that of longevity, the history, um, whether everybody knows it or not, it's important history to be reclaimed and important symbols to reclaim. It's the same thing. You know, I, I don't want to get diverted too far. Uh, one of the, the second book in this, this series paid to piss people off that, that ostensibly is one of the reasons we're here um, is about pornography. And there to this day is a major debate in feminist circles in the United States and perhaps around the world over the status of pornography. And the, the pro-pornography feminists say, look, all we're doing is we're taking the symbols and the depiction of the patriarchy and refining it for us, refining it for us. They're, they're, they're taking a little bit of the financial power from it and taking, taking, it, of, yep. taking it for themselves. And yeah. I, I can agree with that. And I, like my personal, as a Germanic pagan, my, my views on pornography are to each his own. I don't personally indulge. Uh, I, I have. I mean, I'm, I'm an American male. I, I can't say I've never looked at a Playboy or a Hustler. But it's it's not something I spend my day strolling the internet, right. and I've I've I know people who have literally wasted entire days on Pornhub and X Video, and it's like how, how do you do that, dude? Like how I just don't understand. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't either. But uh, again, it's, uh, it's the right teachers. Own. Enjoy listening to podcasts and ever wonder, can I make a podcast? But it seems so complicated, and good audio production can take time. What if there was a way to create an amazing podcast easily? Well, now there is. Introducing Podcasting Made Easy from Podtastic Audio. My production team will handle your entire audio production, allowing you to be the star of your show. This is Podcasting Made Easy. How easy? Well, so easy, you don't even have to press record. Now that's easy. Your listeners are waiting. Let's deliver. Sign up for a free strategy call today at podtasticaudio.com slash easy. We have in this country a need to make sure that we understand the difference between morality and legality and that you can have moral positions about the things you wouldn't do that you still don't want government at any level to tell you how to act so if you don't smoke uh you can say well i, I don't smoke i i hate smoking referring to you there josh but um, it should be banned in all states but you can't you can't look they try to ban tobacco ads now what because they don't agree with problem, it here's the problem if we let everybody ban every image that bothered them whether it's porn or tobacco ads or condom ads, we would all sit in cave in front of reading books with no nothing in them, watch television screens that are only showing static. And then 
people would say, oh, look, wait, I can see an image there. I think there's fornication going on. You can't stop this. I was with Judy Bloom once. She's a young adult uh, author, very famous. Oh, I, I grew up in the 80s. I know yeah. the name very well. I said, I said, Judy, what's the weirdest thing that you ever had somebody want to ban then called you up but what do you do she said mad libs that i don't think they published it there oh man books. do they their books have i, I love those things yeah but she, i said well wait a minute they're just like a space a noun put in an adjective mm -hmm. put in an adverb what was what was offensive about that and she said well the school board thought we're afraid of what the children will write in those things I remember laughing for hours on end, <laughs> filling out Mad Libs. And that's exactly what we did with them. Yeah, I mean, it was course. kid humor. Of course you know? it is. But man, when you go and you turn that into a national crusade to get rid of Mad Libs because of what people might put in the words. Nine-year-old boys make fart jokes, you know, yeah, like, oh exactly. my God. Oh my goodness. Did you wait till nine's going on at six? Oh yeah. Uh, oh yeah. But we, we really have a country that needs to get straight uh one that you can hate all kinds of things that you cannot you cannot get the government to do away with all of those and Correct. you'd be surprised i mean there's a big fuss now over TikTok, which uh, i've never joined but i mean i've seen it i know what that stuff is in it because I say well it gives bad images bad images little girls look at it and they see the perfect body and then they oh oh my goodness we're depressed well well, that's happened up forever. And what about it's a the, lot <laughs> deeper than that with TikTok, though? I mean, well, the, the, yeah, the TikTok me. debate is far deeper than that. First, it's I guess it's where the money is going that the profit is made from TikTok and what they're using that profit for. Essentially, I guess it's going right to the root of the Chinese Communist Party. And that's part of the big problem. The other thing is how they apply TikTok in their country is opposed to how they apply TikTok in other countries. They have literally taken the algorithms and and basically endorse the destructive behavior in America and Western countries. Well, if you pick up TikTok in China, you're learning about math and science and multiple other different things. Yep. So, I mean, it's, it's a tool that they have basically weaponized against us in a certain way just by the manipulation of the algorithms and what they're using the money for. Now, what people use TikTok yeah. for in their own personal views, I have no issue with. There's, in my opinion, though, there are other alternatives that are equivalent that are not feeding a force that is known to be destructive, oppressive, and evil. Yeah. No, uh, but, but see, before that... TikTok, it was the magazines with the you know the highly photoshopped images of all of all the models. It's yeah. you know the Kardashians, for example, with all their plastic That's surgery and army of makeup of artists it... and all of that, and they they have become like multimillionaires sure. just from their image. Oh, yeah. And we're not, you, we're not launching a crusade about, against that. What you both are talking about are alternatives. That's the point. If you believe in freedom of speech, you don't believe that just because we have freedom of speech, uh, we'll, we'll have a perfect country, we'll solve every problem. But now, what is the alternative? Wait a minute. What is the alternative to having uh, a, a kind of repression based on either potential damage to children 
for, in TikTok's case, Josh, as you had just added, national security, those are the two greatest justifications of history of America. Combined I totally here, agree, but, but should a Chinese entity that has that, let's just say known influence behind it, should that Chinese enter, entity enjoy the same judicial benefits and laws in America as American citizens and American corporations if they are not an American entity because they do not apply their same principles over here. Right. Why would we apply our principles to their usage of it? I mean, it's a right. double swinging door. Well, yeah, double swinging door. That's a good phrase. I'm, I'm going to use, I'm going to think, first of all, I'm not going to sure I know what it means, but but yes, I think the answer is yes. If a company is existing and providing a product in this country, I think they can play by that because they've got their own interests. And uh, I'm going to respect those interests when it comes to commerce. And, and I, can respect like that. I can respect that to a degree. But I believe that, let's say, if they're going to operate that way, the money that the TikTok branch in America makes through their advertising and all of that, should go back into the American community also. I think we could work on that. I mean, you know, there's got to be there's got to be some kind of reciprocation to the relationship. That's true. I mean, but again, banning it completely strikes me as not a solution. But we're getting a little of. Let I me agree. ask you back. Um, in my course of objecting a lot of right activities, I have been the victim of imprecatory prayers. Are you familiar with those? Imprecatory prayers do exist in the Christian Old Testament, and they're basically prayers that call for the death or serious illness of the people that they are prayed against. Those are curses. Well, that, that, that's what you'd call it if yeah. you didn't want to use a fancy Christian evangelical term. Yes. So I've been the subject of two of them. One, the first one, because I complained about a pastor's friend. Listen to this story. The pastor's friend uh, had a church in Texas, and uh, he urged people to go to the local library and take out all the GLBT-friendly books and then never return them. And then when the library had to go for its uh, hearing before the local city council to replenish uh, the library of its damaged books, books, they would say, and don't, don't include this book and don't include this book. Don't repurchase them. And I wrote to the pastor and I said, you know, what you're suggesting is, is actually called theft. And there's even a commandment about it. It's against it. So he got all upset. He called me up. He called his friend, friend named Wiley Drake. I know it sounds like it should be a cartoon <laughs> character, but it's an actual person. And uh, he began an imprecatory prayer campaign against. And then another was a an Ohio football coach. He also began imprecatory prayers. He uh, and my friend Mikey Weinstein worried about religion in the military primarily. And uh, the second round of these prayers got a little more attention. And uh, I got a note from followers of, of the Nor of Norse gods who said they were going to put a, a protective cover over me to prevent these verses from going through. And it worked for a really long time. And I'm, I'm still here. And uh, these yeah, things yeah, yeah. taken seriously. But I take these serious, and I don't know if they, the cover of prayer was done what, what, One should never just dismiss things because people haven't been practicing voodoo for over 5,000 years because it didn't work. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm just saying, 
but but can you imagine having a conversation with the average member of the Florida legend about any of this, any of these discussions of spirituality, of promotion? Well, Mr. How Mr. far Lee, would you get with that? I, I think honestly, and this is the first thing, no way. And, and here's the problem. We need we need to go right to the root because we're never going to get anywhere as long as they have a floating definition. We need to establish a solid definition of what religion is without basing it around a single god or package of gods okay because there are many suitable ones out there the one that i shared with it that stein had up sure. at the very beginning sure. great great definition yeah. <laughs> and it pretty much encompasses anything around that like something that somebody has spent a majority of their time practicing and they have uh, basically had a how would you say a set of rituals you know call it a daily routine or set of rituals and they have added that into it. That is part of their religion, you know? And I think that needs to be the, the very first thing that's done because you're right, we're, nobody's gonna get anywhere as long as they have a floating definition. Well, let me push back a little bit because I think some of what you just said, what, what if, for example, you, you had no religious belief and then you went to some event, maybe it was an outdoor service, maybe it was, you know, Paul, this fellow Paul, when he was called Saul and he hated Christians, and all of a sudden he has some kind of brilliant event happen to him on the road to Damascus. He changes overnight. What? So I don't think it's longevity of your belief. It's sincerity of your belief. I, I, I wholly and then, agree. And then, I wholly agree. And then rituals. I don't know. I mean, um, I. what if I... See, I go to church. What if I don't go to church and I just I, I sit around with my family and we talk about Saturday? Yeah. Is that a well, ritual? Okay. See, it's, a, a family, it's, it's a family dinner is a ritual. Yeah. I mean, okay. Like your or you know your standard morning ritual, like every, the the things you do in the in the morning. Like you know myself, for example, I wake up usually because cat is bothering me and he just won't leave me alone. So I feed the cat. I put on I put on my coffee. I take a shower. Those are the first sure. three things that I do. That's my morning ritual. There really isn't anything spiritual necessarily behind it, but it's what I do first thing. First thing in the day, so and if I now if I miss one step or if I can do one thing, then my day isn't. I mean, you know, it, it'll it's different. Probably, yeah, it, sure. it's different. Sure. You know, it'll probably get better over the day, but just it, it's it's not the start that sure that makes me that makes me feel good. That makes me secure about the day. Like I do this, I do this, I do this, and if I've done that, I can take the, I can take on the day. I can take on the world. Yep. Well, the, the the only difficulty with this idea of creating a definition is the difficulty of getting any members, most members of any, even state legislature, to say nothing of members of Congress who, you know, their, their general ritual is write 16 requests for money and uh, go to six cocktail parties every day there in Washington to also raise. But if you can break through that, how can you do this? How can you write a definition that's broad enough to be to meet the needs that Josh has been talking about without getting into impossible crises of definition, which will lead to well, that's end. currently where we we're currently in that crisis because we, yes, we are in that. Literally, if you just look up <laughs> and, and don't look up the definition of religion, look up the legal definition of religion. 
you will not find one. Oh, you you will find multiple pages of information about how they try to determine it. That's true. There is no definition of it. So, I mean, how can you argue a law when you have no definition of the word that's based around <laughs> that very law, the laws based around that one word? But, but you see how they do it. And that is if you are oh, a... If you're an evangelical Christian talking evangelical Christian, most it's the sentiment, it's seeds of this political system is still very much rooted in uh, evangelical Christianity. There's no question about it. And in I mean, fact, South Florida, that's a apparent fact here. A, absolutely. And even when uh, arguments are made, try to extend the definition or the protection of the religious freedom of any minority religious group or non-believers. Atheists in this country have, uh, shall we say, fewer rights than pagan. Because yeah, and I, see the, oh, yeah, I see the issue with that. Yeah, you, you know, don't believe then they're not getting equal representation if they don't have a religion to defend by the First Absolutely. Amendment. Absolutely. Now, there are a couple of humanist groups that have been arguing using the Hobby Lobby that we talked about it, using that idea to say, if we have a rule, a belief that in our minds is similar to or identical to the rules being claimed by this for-profit hobby company, we should be entitled to the same rights. Now, that has never gone to the court. But it did go to this in relation to the military draft. My first book, Paid to Piss People Off, is about peace. A fan of. Uh, also, for a long time, candy. for a long time, if you went to get a, become a conscientious objector and you didn't have a religious belief system and you couldn't write about it, which usually meant you didn't have a close clergy friend who would help you write an essay citing if you were a Christian Bible, uh, you, you couldn't get it. And then somebody went to court and said, look, I don't have, I'm against war in any, but I don't have a religious tradition, but I do believe these things so strongly. And it, it as, as Stein was saying, I mean, it's, it's, it's part of my entire life. And he won. He did win that case. So no longer do you have to have a belief in a conventional God or a religious background in order to become a conscientious objector. You still have to be a conscientious objector to war in any form, which is uh, kind of, look, Pete Seeger, great singer, peacemaker, uh, wouldn't fit that definition because he used to say, if they came to my country, try to take me over, I'd be in the front line. That well, don't get you. That doesn't get I, you. I mean, it's I, what, I what I believe, but it's not, It's it doesn't make you a pacifist in the terms that the United States government. Mm -hmm. Now, see, and I, I can wholly agree with that. I, I believe that as a country, we should, all of us should kind of, you know, just kind of strive for peace because who wants the loss of human life and conflict needlessly, especially over dogma, you know, and, and that's, that's where we lose more human life in the world than anywhere else is over dogma, you know? Yeah, so, it. I mean, if we could, if we could alleviate that by saying, Hey, live and let live, I know that's never going to happen. And it's like the biggest dream in the world, but you know, if, yeah. if we can have a global initiative of like, Hey, let's keep all of our stuff in our borders. You keep all your stuff in your borders, but we'll keep friendly relationships. We'll keep trade relationships going on. You know, like we, we have a lot of flaws in our system and I, they all root to greed because I mean, if you, even every one of the challenges to current cannabis law in Florida is a, is a whole, 
right, is because they, they're basically favoring True Leaf and Cure Leaf and all these big corporations' profit over the ability of people to have something and create a plant in their yard. And, and here's another dilemma that's added into that. Let's say somebody like me, a pagan, who believes that I can't take the life of something unless it's opposing a threat to myself, my family, or I'm going to self-sustain on it. Right. That that I get a seed in, in one of the batches of flour that I get, right? Now, this is a living organism that is alive. I have to respect that. What do I do? What do I do? Because, I mean... I can't smash it. I can't burn it and terminate it. It's supposed to be no threat and it has its right to live. So what do I do? You know, and, and there I find this huge debate that like literally this, my whole thought around this just centers around that like simple thought. Like I can't legally do anything that my religion tells me I need to do with this. I've lived by a set of beliefs my whole life and I can't respect them. Because the law says that this plant has to die. With yeah, the whole they, the whole trade thing and the, the live yeah. and let live, I mean, that is how our ancestors lived here in Europe. I mean, you know, of course, wars were fought and tribal sure. wars and tribal, you know, scuttles and all, it, it did exist. But, um, like, especially if we're talking about, oh, let's generalize it. Uh, Vikings. Now, there have been Viking artifacts found as far as, I believe, as Israel or like the, the Israel Syria border. The whole Varangian Guard was Nor uh, Norse and Danes. And they were about trade. And like they went far, far into Europe with, you know, two people who looked different from them, spoke a very different language, you know, believed in different gods. And it's not, you know, as most mainstream sources, unfortunately, will still uh, still tell us that they just went over there, they raped the women, pillaged uh, the treasury and burned down the village. I mean, if you do that enough times, there's not going to be anything left. No, they came there to trade. They came there to, you know, to politic. And sure, you know, if fighting was necessary, they weren't afraid of it. You know, if I have to draw my sword, then fine. So be it. I'm going to draw it. This cycle started in... in in a in a very obtuse way so very long ago and it's been covered up ever since then and it's just now starting to be researched sure. right the very sure. first group of pagans that got wiped out by rome right it's a very interesting story the etruscans right etruscans. who were the etruscans well the greeks knew the etruscans as the tersenian people they called themselves the tersenian people t-y-r-s-e-n-i-a-n right Break down the etymology of it. It means like the sons of Tyr, right? The Greeks named the Terhenian Sea right next to Tuscany in that coast of Italy after those people. They did business with them. There's thousands of years of record of this. An Etruscan, who was a high-ranking official, left. One of the sons of Tyr, the Tersenians, left and went and founded Rome. His name was Romulus. He had a brother named Remus. They founded Rome upon basic pagan principle and freedom and knowledge and many other things. Most of the disputes back then between tribes were handled between the champions of the tribes and not much blood was spilled. But something happened in a 300 year period and it was greed. They agreed that if any other people came into their area and they went to war with them, they would split the profits, the Etruscans and the Romans. Yep. 
Well, something happened when a northern invader came down and came into Etruscan territory and formed a war with one of the northern tribes that had never even dealt with any of the Romans. They didn't know how to, you know, the, the heads of their tribes were so far south that they never even knew that that option existed. So they apparently won this dispute. The money was not split and a war started. Yes. 300 years after Rome was founded by an Etruscan, the Etruscans were wiped out. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's a cycle that has lived on ever since then. They, they have done everything they could sure. to cover up the, the pagan origins of Rome itself. Yeah, yep. History uh, used to be written only by the victor. Uh, you know, heck of a way to read history. I, I don't know how much longer you want to go, but I wanted to talk about one thing piece of legislation I was very proud of. not the religious freedom restoration but something called the equal acts this was okay. designed originally to give religious clubs an opportunity to meet in public high school during uh, the course of the school day and it was being promoted heavily and solely by evangelical Christian student group hi everyone this is JJ the co-founder of good pods if you haven't heard of it yet good pods is like goodreads or Instagram but for podcasts it's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening! There was a gentleman in the Senate who just died yesterday named Lowell Weicker. Lowell Weicker was a Republican, and then he later, uh, he lost to a, a really horrible uh, Democrat named Joe Lieberman. Some of your listeners ran for vice president of the United States with Al Gore. Lowell Weicker, uh, he was a staunch believer in the separation of church and state. And I was sitting in his office with his chief of staff. Lowell comes in and he says, um, hey, we're going to go negotiate this uh, Equal Access Act. Because, of course, there wasn't any equal access because most people who were not religious had no access to any meeting time, any schools whatsoever. So we went to see the one of the principal sponsors of the uh Equal Access Act, a guy named Mike Hatfield, who died two years ago, Republican again from Oregon. And uh, I had worked with him on some peace initiatives. And so we all sat down at a table and started to explore why it was necessary to only protect religious speech. Why was that? And Mark Hatfield, after about 10 minutes, said, well, there's no reason. Let's just protect all speech. Let's make this a student free speech bill. That's what happened. So Weicker said, well, we'll put some language in, uh, you can form a club for any political, cultural, religious, or other purpose. That's why for a long time, when there were no LGBTQ plus uh, clubs in any school, uh, this led to an enormous number of the formations of what were then called uh, uh, kind of support clubs for the gay community. Now they're being used also for, uh, as some of your listeners know, um, for satanic temple clubs. They're meeting, in fact, in the part of Pennsylvania in which I grew up, there was just a major decision allowing a, a satanic temple elementary class. What do they teach? They teach respect for animals, they, peace, they, 
all kinds of important principles. They are not, to get back to what Jesse Helms said, you know, an hour ago, or I quoted him as saying, not about Satan, not about bad things, but about a reflection on values that come from a non-Christian viewpoint, non-traditional religion. Yeah. Uh, we represented a young man in a high school some years ago who they said he wanted to form an atheist club. They said, no, 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 you can't do that. We said, you have to let him. They said, well, we'll come up with a compromise. We're going to have, we'll let you have a world religions club. I said, no, no, that's the point. I don't believe in any religion anywhere in the world. I want to have an atheist club. So they did let him have an atheist club. I think we need to be more aggressive at having those alternative clubs meet. The protected, even the religious right had to admit when this thing was passed that um, it was, they didn't expect it, but all these LGBT clubs were gonna meet. And now they have to say this about the Satan club because law requires that we not think. That's where you don't need the definition. You just need the one student who says, I wanna form a club about tribalism, about paganism. They're going to be allowed to do so, but somebody has to make the request. And frequently in these schools, we'd find out if somebody has an idea and it's kind of a little edgy, they get a huge attendance. And if it's interesting enough, that attendance continues. That's the kind of positive thing that I think all of you. Yeah, I, I, I can I can agree with the, especially just the formation of community. Because yeah. people having community is what keeps them out of negative situations. If they have other people to talk to about something, you know, just just other people to weigh decisions on or, hey, what do you think of this? Sure. Or, you know, even to somebody in, in the tribe that comes to one of the elders in the tribe and says, hey, man, you know, I'm I'm having a dilemma in my life and I need to talk. We've had that happen with so many members. And yeah. it's it, it's something that benefits humans as a whole. And there are so many people now without community especially amongst pagans, because we have been driven to being solo practitioners, yes. all yeah. of us. And, and in my experience, like also a lot of, um, of pagan groups, if you will, uh, either they are very focused on, um, on national socialism, which is a very, like, it's a small, but very vocal subgroup sure. in paganism um i don't agree with that i can i can see why they would be attracted to it with the whole rise of um of paganism in those those years uh we've me, literally had to place automatic filters on our tribe to yeah keep uh, them out it, it it's it got bad um because you know as soon as one enters he's gonna invite the rest of them and sure. soon your whole tribe is overrun by those people sure. even though it's really not not the intention yeah. and we're not about that like we'll, you know we'll condone it we have uh one of our we members who is interested uh in that in more, history uh yeah the history and more the uh the esoteric of it so he looks at sure. it from like a more esoteric occult spiritual perspective um and he you know he's just an overall good guy so that's that's perfectly fine um he's never expressed hate towards anything or any other group no no exactly that's and he he made that clear he made that first very specific like i i'm not about hate i'm about like the love i'm about the esoteric part and all of sure. that but um in my like that's that's the whole reason 
uh, why I, you know, founded the tribe in the first place, because I sure. just, I couldn't find People. a group. I couldn't find a right. community which suited my needs. I mean, there was one which came uh, quite close, uh, Heathens for an Honor. I speak openly about it. Um, but as soon as we appointed, appointed a Jarl, basically someone who, um, like was the, the face of of the group was the leader of the group so if there were any issues he was supposed to deal with it uh, that was power if you will like given power even which went straight to his head and he became incredibly cocky and all of a sudden started setting rules or you know rules that that he could he could break and then, then you know deny it and that was that was Dictator the last is uh, born everything else is yeah, history. yeah. And so it. incredibly focused on uh, like golden age Viking reach, which is, which is awesome. You know, there's a whole lot of information to be found. It's very popular, you know, big, burly, bearded man. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. cool. You know, gotta admit, <laughs> but there is so much more to it. Like my, um, my wife with whom I co-host the podcast sometime uh, who goes by Firefay. Um, she brought in some of her witchy friends because you know it seemed open. It seemed a group sure. who was uh, who was open about that. She made some good good content, some good posts about that. I you know wanted to look further back in history. So I went to uh to the Indo-Europeans, the Indo-Aryans, uh which is another one of those no-no names like Aryans. Yeah. Don't you? Um, and I was, I was told don't do that, even though they got received really well. And it's like, why not? And it's not what we're about. And I don't understand how Aryan got confused with blonde hair, blue eyed, six foot tall male. It's, it's just the name given to it, I guess. I I don't, I don't know. Most of the proto-European nomads back then were blondish brown hair, brown eyed medium complected skin they, yeah. they were far from the pure norse description that is given by the world war ii bastardization of the subject i mean blue eyes is literally a mutation which happened only a few thousand years back somewhere in the caucasus region cave uh, living cave living cave living listen it, um <laughs> I, I have to uh, do another program shortly about another topic, but uh, if I could, I, I'd just like to uh, close by showing, if we, this works, uh, the covers of my book. Yes, please. Oh, yes. Please. Um, please. Mr. Wynn, also, before we close, yeah. one, one quick thing. You mentioned earlier um, about writing a letter to establish legitimacy, so on and so forth. Can yeah. you please share that with us after we uh, end the stream? Sure. And we'll possibly uh, share that information in the show notes. Absolutely. You, um, can, uh, you can send that to the uh, the email we have been in, uh, um, okay. which with recapping content, Josh has access to sure. that email as okay. well. Okay, I will do that. Well, this, this is one book. It's a three volume, you know, it's a trilogy. And I, I was first going to call it Fellowship of the Rings. And then somebody said, oh, no, some other guy already wrote that trilogy but th this this cover is so apparently so controversial that uh, you know mr free speech elon musk's uh, little, uh video service uh, tried to take out an ad for twenty dollars they rejected my ad it had this picture because they said it contained objectionable material and i wondered what is objectionable <laughs> about this and then i realized that uh, a guy i sadly never had a chance to meet 
very famous uh, uh, medium back in the 70s did a book called the seven dirty words and that third george yes george carlin 1972 <laughs> he was arrested for obscenity one of those seven dirty words was piss i thought it might be that and then i looked at the photograph close could see yes that is a nip on the goddess of justice oh my ed Meese, oh attorney wow general this bizarre person. He had a whole pornography commission. He accepted its report underneath this goddess of justice statue in the Great Hall of Justice, Department of Justice. And for many years, and I'm not proud of this, but when I would lecture about this photograph. So maybe it was that. I don't know. <laughs> but the point I, is, I have a workaround for you on that. You know, you could just, for the ad purpose, put a little <laughs> banner over it that says... Uh, you know, Lady Liberty's nipple censored for your safety or something. Yeah, I was thinking of doing that. But I, a couple of comedian friends of mine said it'd be better to just tell me. Oh yeah, that works. Yeah. It works. And uh, but go on. I've seen I've seen so much worse on Twitter. Oh my god. Of course. Of course. I mean, believe me. It's, Especially from their ads. Yeah, but nevertheless, oh. um, I I still Twitter occasionally. But the other books, one is about peace, uh, which has a photograph of my daughter when she was old going peace rally wearing a t-shirt that said heck no i won't go and when i, when I mentioned that I like to that. our daughter now in her 40s uh, i said she looked at it she said i've always <laughs> and the and the third one is is on prayer this is that i work separation at church and state and it was me outside of court the day of the obergefell decision which of course legalized same-sex marriage throughout today so it's been an interesting life an interesting career and um i think this uh, i have a lot of friends i mean during the course of writing this book one week uh, a few months ago I, I talked on alternative days first to ron kovic the author of born on the fourth of july they made the movie out of it with uh, tom cruise playing ron and then a couple days later to colonel oliver north who i know them both i consider both of them my friends not sure i'd want to get both the same room together <laughs> maybe maybe but eclectic you you work on these things you cannot hate people you can hate their ideas and you can never absolutely never give up on the printies the two of you are never give your principles no, so that's sure. it well thank you so much this has been fun and uh it sure has thank you very much for uh for coming on absolutely. i have the link to your uh to your book and to your personal website in the description below so if anyone is interested and trying Terrific. to see why not they can find it there uh very thank you so much for coming on this has been uh this has been All awesome right. josh thank bro, you thank you for, Thanks uh, to both for coming on it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you okay it's been an honor i am just gonna i'm gonna plug the the podcast on Graham pagans real quick uh barry if you have to go you can uh, yeah and you I, can I, go i don't yeah, i mean uh, just I, the summary is uh, just and i will write you but um you just need to write a letter to the internal revenue uh, indicating that you are creating a religious not-for-profit whatever you want to call it, and that um, you're notifying this and they will send you a letter that says we acknowledge this that's all you have to do that you do not have to file any papers it is a religious body and you don't have to file any tax either so that might be course of action like to i take. think that seems like a very legitimate course of action yeah. sir yeah okay no. glad to be of help thank you okay. thank all you right. Thank you very much. We'll see you. Had a good yes, time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Yes. Okay. So this has been another great episode on the Grey Horror and Pagans podcast. One I for sure never imagined I would do. I never thought I would have uh, someone like Mr. Lin on. I know King Colin Barry, but Mr. Lin, I've been raised. Uh, yeah. Thank you all so much for watching. Thank you for listening. Um, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, comment. Uh, if you are listening to this on any uh, podcasting platforms, any audio platforms, uh, give us that sweet five star rating that all the podcasters are raving on about because you know, algorithms. Um, Josh, bro, thank you very much for uh, for coming on as soon as I uh, as soon as I saw this, as I heard that uh, this one was an absolute pleasure and honor to be a part of, sir. Yes, I uh, I I knew you uh, knew you were gonna like this. I knew you were gonna have uh, have some great points because this is right up your alley. So yeah, thank you oh, yeah. all. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I knew. So thank you all very much. I am going to enjoy the rest of my night. I encourage you all to enjoy the rest of yours or day or afternoon or whatever it may be for you. Thank you all. Until next time. See ya.